There's a ghost town on the shores of Michigan, buried under the sand. Come with us now as we unveil part one of our short series, Ghost Towns Under the Sand. Hello and welcome to another Midwest Ghost Town podcast. My name is Dan Klein. I'm your host, your history enthusiast, and your ghost town and abandoned history adventurer. And like we say on this channel, let's keep history alive. One way we can certainly do that is by talking about it, making this podcast, and of course, videos as well. This week, we start a new adventure covering a couple unique stories with some ghost towns that were eventually swallowed up over time by the sand. Whether they were sitting in the desert or along a shifting dune, the end story had the same result. Luckily, before a couple of these places disappeared forever, we had some footage and stories proving of their existence. Today we're heading up to the shores of Lake Michigan at the mouth of the Kalamazoo River near the cities of Sagatuck and Douglas. And this is in Allegan County. And this is where we tell the story of the buried ghost towns of Singapore, Michigan. And the creation of the series really started for me a few weeks ago. It was at a wedding of some friends of ours and a good friend of mine, Mike Williams. Mike, if you're out there listening, big hello to you. Mike grew up in Michigan, and he was sitting next to me at one of the reception tables, and we started to talk about Michigan. He started telling me some stories of being a Lions fan. I feel sorry for you, Mike. (laughs) Cheering on Big Sparty with the Michigan State. And then the discussion turned to some of the beautiful places to visit along Lake Michigan, including the sand dunes. He went on to tell me how you can start renting sand buggies. You can go along speeding around the sand dunes. And this led to the discussion of Singapore. I said, Mike, have you ever heard the story of Singapore, Michigan? Mike stopped, had this frozen look on his face like he didn't even know what I was talking about. And as it turns out, he didn't. Mike started to answer back that he had never heard of the story of a ghost town buried under the sand. And naturally, as a Michigan kid, he became super curious of the story. Listen now to the story of Singapore, Michigan. Singapore, Michigan was founded in the early 1830s by a group of New York investors. They liked what they saw on the land and the plentiful lumber supply they could see along the lake. The initial hope of the investors was that it would rival Chicago or Milwaukee as a lake port, and it started with a boom. Schooners and barges were being built. It became a busy and prosperous lumbering town holding itself as the center of commerce for that part of Michigan. There wasn't an official count, but there was presumed to be over 200 people living in the town, which had three mills, two hotels, a couple of general stores, a bank, two sawmills, a total of 23 buildings, and Michigan's first schoolhouse. The town grew, and it didn't take long for Singapore to start rising up as a challenging shipping port to Chicago. It was a flourishing town, but that was soon to change in 1871, when the arrival of the Forgotten Fire of 1871. Some know it as the Great Peshtigo Fire, but all know it as the Chicago Fire of 1871. This is where I'm going to veer off just a little bit because I feel it's important to touch on this fire, essentially because it was this fire or the after effects of it that led to the demise of Singapore. I call it the Forgotten Fire because in reality, that's what it was. 
The fire was well known in Chicago because it burned the city and even had the folklore made up of the made-up story of the cow kicking over the lantern. But the reality was that it was not just a fire in Chicago. And in fact, much of the destruction was actually further north in both Wisconsin and across the lake into Michigan. I have another podcast where I'm going to go a little further detail about this specific fire and its destruction, but it's important to note that the high winds that fateful day blew high winds of excess of 50 miles per hour, fanning flames and forest fires that were already in existence in other parts of the area. Those winds ultimately brought a flamethrowing effect in some places, creating a fire tornado. Now, I want to stop there for a second because when I first heard about the fire tornado, I thought, wow, tornadoes alone are destructive. Fires alone are destructive. Can you imagine a combination of a fire tornado? And these stories that I read about the fire tornado said that the gusts of the blowing hot fire wind was they're blowing railroad cars off the tracks. People to survive this fire had to make it to the river or to the lake or some kind of water source. If they didn't, they perished in the fire. There was other stories in Michigan where some of the survivors jumped in, you know, in wells just to try to escape the fire. And this widespread fire ended up killing thousands. It was so bad and devastating that the Peshtigo fire is still on record as the most deadly forest fire in American history. People didn't even know that the fire was as widespread and devastating as it was, they only knew about Chicago, which makes sense, having a widespread of reporters and telegraph lines where they could spread the word. But not up in Wisconsin or Michigan, most of the communications were knocked out due to the fire. And the news wasn't reached to national news outlets for days after the disaster. And this is why it's known as the Forgotten Fire today. Chicago completely overshadowed a much larger story and the Peshtigo fire. And it's this fire that sets the stage for the eventual doom of Singapore. After the destruction in Chicago and other places like Holland, Michigan, Peshtigo, Manistee, Singapore was called upon to help rebuild the cities. The lumber was cut, hauled, and shipped out down the lake and to the rebuilding zones. Some of the last good timber was in the area by Singapore and the lake, and the need for lumber was at an all-time high, especially in response. It didn't take long for the land surrounding the port town to become completely deforested. One historian was noted saying, Singapore was a village protected by woods, and all those trees were clear-cut, so the timber could be shipped across the lake to Chicago. This complete deforestation of woods surrounding Singapore created an environmental catastrophe. The town was no longer protected by the trees, which would shield the high winds whipping off of Lake Michigan. And over time, these winds began to blow the sands and eroded the town into ruins. The shifting sands and dunes began to cover the town and left it completely covered within four years. By 1875, the town was vacated. And over the next couple of decades, some of the mills were dismantled, and a few buildings relocated. Some began to coin the phrase of the Lost Ghost Town as Michigan's version of Pompeii, a buried city beneath the dunes along Lake Michigan. Today, you can still see some of the original Singapore structures in downtown Sagatuck, Michigan, but the rest of Singapore is buried to rest under the sands of Michigan. 
We got more coming up right after this. Hey there, Dan here with Midwest Ghost Town. I recently gave a big thank you to some subscribers on our YouTube channel. As we cross over 500, for some that might not seem like a lot, but for us here on the channel, it means the world. It also means that there are others like ourselves who love having the conversation of history. So wherever you are and whatever platform you're on, we're giving out a big thank you. Let's keep history alive. Interesting story about Singapore, by the way. Apparently, they moved some of the structures, like I mentioned, to other places. One of the main buildings you can see is the Jenkins Mulder Singapore House, which sits at 333 Lucy Street in Sagatuck. And in reality, for historical purposes, if you own or have an original Singapore home or building, you might want to hold on to that. Interesting story, to say the least. And I think the thing that sticks out to me the most is the destruction Mother Nature can cause. This wasn't a direct result from the Peshtigo fire, but it was definitely lateral damage. Due to the amount of lumber cut to help Chicago and now Singapore is completely gone. I went ahead and I researched if you could find anything at the Singapore site and was told to give a warning that much of that land now sits on private property. So be cautious of that. But the story I found absolutely fascinating was the story of some tours that operated in the area back in the 1970s. One of the reports was that at least in the 70s, you could still see parts of the highest peak of the Singapore three-story hotel, and that some of the roof was still visible. Now, I can easily stand to be corrected. If you are a local from around that part of Michigan or familiar with the story and the area, Possibly there are other parts exposed that the sands shifted again. I've heard that Singapore can't be seen anymore. But if you have an update on that, please let us know. We would love to hear that. You can go ahead and reach me through comments on both our YouTube page, on Spotify, as well as our Facebook page and our Twitter, both, of course, Midwest Ghost Town. All right, this leads me to another story. This one is less of a ghost town story and more of an abandoned story. But for this one, we'll shift to the Sand Mountain Recreation Area in Nevada and tell the story of a little hidden historical treasure that was buried by the sand. This is the story of Sand Springs Station. Sand Springs Station is the site of a relay station for the Pony Express along the Pony Express National Historic Trail. The intact ruins of the original 1860 station is still standing. Sir Richard Burton, famous British explorer, writer, and scholar, visited the site in 1862 by stagecoach, and he had this to say. The water near this vile hole was thick and stale with sulfury salts. It blistered even the hands. The station house was no unfit object in such a scene. Roofless and chairless, filthy and squalid, with a smoky fire in one corner, and a table in the center of an impure floor. The walls open in every wind, and the interior full of dust. Sandspring Station was buried by the sand in the years following his visit, and it wasn't rediscovered until 1976, when a team of archaeologists found the ruins. The discovery found something unique 
and that the ruins are from both a Pony Express relay station and an Overland stage station, a telegraph station, and home of two prospectors. You can visit the Pony Express site today at the entrance of Sand Mountain Recreation Area, travel 26 miles east of Fallon, Nevada on US Route 50, and turn into the entrance and follow signs to the area. The Pony Express as a whole is an interesting story in history, only lasting approximately 18 months. It's interesting to think about how the mail traveled by horse, with the method to try and deliver mail faster. Riders would carry the mail to each station to station, switching riders and fresh horses about every 100 miles or so. The route itself went from St. Joseph, Missouri to Sacramento, California, and they had something like 184 stations along a 1,900-mile route. Of course, they followed the Oregon Trail, then switched to the Mormon Trail, traveling over the Rockies and the Sierra Mountains. And believe it or not, after hearing all that, only one rider and one shipment of mail was lost during the Pony Express's entire run. And the fastest delivery in the history of the Pony Express took only seven days and 17 hours, delivering the inaugural address of President Abraham Lincoln. Of course, it was ultimately replaced with the Transcontinental Telegraph, which was faster and cheaper. But you can find little pieces of Pony Express history on this one. Once buried in the sand, now uncovered and open for all. To go and see and keep history alive. Ghost Towns Under the Sand is a unique journey into the history of some of these places, like Singapore up in Michigan, and Sand Spring Station, uncovering a Pony Express station in Nevada. This has been part one in the series, and part two coming out next Friday, we get a little further out of the Midwest, in fact, out of the country, and we cross over the Atlantic to discover a whole new area, following the trail of a couple of other ghost towns under the sand. Hope you come along on the adventure, and like we always say, let's keep history alive. This is Midwest Ghost Town.